So I want to do a couple of, of things as we begin tonight in the Word. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you to Pastor Stan for the series that he did on about experiencing the kingdom. And I believe that one of, yeah, you can go ahead. Praise the Lord. Let's hear it. Amen. Um, what I want to do is build upon that because there's a word about the kingdom and experiencing the kingdom. And you'll hear me talk about tonight a little bit more about the church. And so I'm going to be going to the next place uh, on building on that. Um, I have never, ever preached in Victory Life. I've been here 19 years this month, and I have never preached a, a entire chapter and went line upon line, verse upon verse, precept upon precept. Most of our sermons are topical words. And so when the Lord began to challenge me about, I want you to do not a topical word, I said, wait, wait, 19 years, remember? <laughs> are you saying the other? I want you to do the other. And so I, want, I encourage you to bring your Bibles or your smartphones and, and look up the scriptures. I think it's important, and I'll just say this, I think it's important that we become carriers of the word. We can look at the verses on the screen behind us, but that's not the same thing as carrying it, right? And so I would encourage you that you can carry that. Uh, one of the things it talks about in Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about in putting on the armor of God. It says in one of those things that is the offensive weapon, it says that it is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so I think it's important. I like doing hard copy. I, do, I like turning that and, and all those things. So I, I don't mind all the other things that we can use. I actually have an iPad that's got 55 translations on one verse I can look up. And you can as well. Now I'm doing an advertisement, I guess. You can look up a verse on BibleGateway.com. It's a free um, place you can go to. And just by clicking on one little button and it says, Show other translations. All 55 verses will show in different translations the verse you're looking at. So it's a great tool that you can have, and so I'd encourage you to do that. Amen. Amen. The second thing I also heard during worship tonight was the word hallelujah. And so as I was, we were singing the word hallelujah, I wondered if we know what the word hallelujah means. It's a Bible word. It's in the word, but what does hallelujah mean? So I had a flashback of years ago. Uh, whenever I was pastoring a church in East Texas, I was in my 20s, and I was a senior pastor of a church, and I was in my 20s. Everybody say, thank God for wisdom, hallelujah, <laughs> to look on those years, and I stayed there for 12 years, and one of the things in that, I had a flashback of me having a Bible study on Wednesday nights. We had tables and chairs and coffee and hot chocolate, and we didn't do donuts, Reese, but we had all the other drinks. And so we would lay out our Bibles and we would talk about the Bible. So one of the things I just remembered, I haven't thought about it in years, has been, what does the word hallelujah mean? Because it's mainly mentioned in the Old Testament and, and a lot around the Psalms. So what does hallelujah mean? So I was curious, don't raise your hand, and I'm not looking at anybody, but when we're singing the word hallelujah, do we know what we're actually singing? What does it mean? So now I'm going to tell you, the word hallelujah in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, means praise the Lord. So when we sing the words, hallelujah, now you can have a translation in your mind, praise the Lord. Let's try that. Ready? Praise the Lord. So we also had tonight something that I, I, I really believe that the Lord is doing this in this three-part message, uh, tonight being the first of three. And um, I, in my prayer, asked the, asked the Lord in praying over the message, Lord, 
It would be really cool if we had what I'm talking about tonight that would be manifested in the house tonight. Two of the gifts. And the cool thing, I didn't go tell anybody that. I didn't go give anybody a warning about that. I didn't put a microphone in somebody's ear and say, hey, could you give a message in tongues? <laughs> and, and the other person, can you give the inter... See, because all that's kooky. But when the Holy Spirit does what He wants to do, what does it sound like? And the title of my message tonight is The Spirit-Filled Church. What does a Spirit-Filled Church sound like? You got to hear it tonight. It sounds like the gifts of the Spirit being in operation in the house. You also got to hear one of the things I introduced in my last sermon, and I'm not going to re-preach it, but is the word that we have that is a biblical word of a biblical response that we have to the messages, which is the word, amen. I started to bring my little amen button. I got an amen button. And just hit it, and we could go, ready? Amen. Amen. So what does it look like? What does it sound like? What do we have biblical responses? And I'll actually teach in that because I actually found it in another place in these uh, three parts of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that I'll touch on that and show you. It's more than just saying a word. It actually brings, according to biblical definition, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. And one of those biblical words is the word amen. It's that let it be just like he's talking about. And it's actually the best translation is it is true. Now, what a great place when somebody's preaching the Bible to go, or you're saying, it is true. Well, y'all are so good. This is going to be fast. Hallelujah. So, turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I found in, uh, in getting ready for this series, I've thought about 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which a lot of the things we talk about, I'm not going to be doing chapter 12, but it mentions that. Uh, and also, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, is almost like it's a, it's a chapter in the Bible that got sandwiched in between. They're talking about the Holy Spirit and the gifts and the operation and all these things. And it puts this, this Oreo cream of the Spirit <laughs> in the center. And so I was thinking this week, I said, what do they do that for? Because it's a reminder about love. And how if we do anything in the church world and anything in our growing in the Lord, anything in our fellowship with one another, anything in growing in the body of Christ, anything in our growing up ourselves in the Lord, and we don't have love with all of these things, it's tinkling cymbals, sounding brass, Pastor Terry word, it don't mean nothing. <laughs> so we have to have love, right? Even love in the operation and the gifts of the Spirit and those things. So... Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is actually about the spiritual gifts or their divinely endowed um, words that is for use and service in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the classic definition of the word love, it, which gives us the grace by which we make all of those gifts fruitful. We're doing them all by love, right? We're not doing them for show. We're not doing them for somebody to look at us. We're doing those to edify and to build up the body of Christ, and we're doing that to, to give glory to God. By the way, another word. Did you know that the reason that you raise your hands in church, why you do that biblically? The reason that you raise your hands in church is not just because everybody else is, or it's a church thing to do. 
The reason that we raise our hands according to the Bible is to bless the Lord. Come on, put them up. Put them up, put them up. And we're blessing the Lord. We're praising God when we do that, right? So I gave you two things. First one is a visual. Ready? This is called blessing the Lord. Show me what that looks like. And then show me what it sounds like that looks kind of like this. Well, y'all are good. Hallelujah. So what does a spirit-filled church sound like? What does it look like? It should be those things that's in the Bible. Somebody's doing a whoop, whoop, again in the back. We're we're doing those things. And so we're not doing it to show off. We're doing it because we love God. And we're saying we bless you, God. And we're because we love each other. And we're adding our word to what the Lord wants us to do by that word, amen. We are establishing the word by another witness that comes by an amen. We're not just saying a word. All right. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14 primarily uh, does compares uh, two of the gifts and you did, if you didn't know, it prim- primarily compares two of the gifts uh, in the gathering for a church gathering. And I really appreciate what Pastor Austin said, too, that the presence of the Lord is not just in church. It can be at work. It can be in your prayer closet. It can be in the truck that I drive. It can be talking to other people, all those things. But I really do like when it shows up in church. Don't y'all? Wouldn't it be a bummer if we came to church and didn't sense and feel or know the presence of the Lord was here? You know? I mean, we can have a lot of fellowship and we can eat a lot of food and all those kind of <laughs> But if we don't sense the presence of God, so I want to define it. The presence of the Lord, the manifested presence of the Lord, should be a tangible, touchable presence of the Lord. It's not just a word. It's a tangible, touchable, sensible by your spirit the presence of the Lord. What does a spirit-filled church look like? When you come in, you can sense the presence of the Lord, right? All right. So, and all of those things I just said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 12, and 13 is all in one verse, in verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. All three expressions are in the first verse. So let's read it. It says, pursue love, and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So pursue or follow after love, chapter 13, and desire spiritual gifts, chapter 12, but especially that you may prophesy, chapter 14. All is in one verse that you can see what that's talking about. Um, In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I also wrote for you, that Paul compares two spiritual gifts which are being exercised in the church at Corinth. Namely, it is tongues and prophecy. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's, it's primarily talking about tongues. And uh, so what's the difference in the two? When a person speaks in tongues as a prayer language, they are talking to God. Listen, listen real close. It is not your mind. It is not just your mouth, but it is your spirit that is talking to God. Whenever we have a gift of the Spirit, or we had two like it's supposed to be, you're supposed to have a message in tongues, which came from this side of the room. That person that was giving that message in tongues wasn't talking to us. They weren't just talking to God, but it was actually a message. Listen, our private prayer language is our speaking from our spirit to God. A message in tongues in a public gathering is God speaking to us. Did you get that? So, and it says in the, 
Make sure I turn that spam risk off on my phone. So according to the word, I'll teach you that there needs to be an interpretation, the gift of interpretation. And he even says the person that, that flows in that gift of tongues, the public tongues, the public gathering, what we sh should see in the church, that they should also pray that there be an interpretation. So there needs to be also people that have the gift of interpretation. And we have a few, if you haven't noticed, we have a few that is starting to manifest that we have in this church, we have people that have the gift of interpretation. One time the interpretation came from the balcony right up there. One time it came right there. Another time it came, and we heard it tonight, over there. <laughs> so what is that? There needs to be an interpretation. I'm giving you an equation in your notes. First thing I'll ask you to write down. I want you to write down this equation. It's important. Okay, here's my equation that I learned years ago. In order for it to be proper, you need to have a message or the gift of tongues. I'm talking about a message in tongues, the public one we heard tonight, that gift of tongues part public. So I'm going to call it a message in tongues, M, plus the gift of interpretation or I. So M plus I equals P, prophecy. The main thing that, that he's talking about in this chapter, I'll walk you through, he's talking about prophecy. The private tongues that you do, we'll talk a minute. We'll talk about the purpose of it for you, it, and it has a part for you. The public tongues has something else for the church, and that's, that's important as well. So um, I wrote, although the gifts are claimed by only a small part of the church today, it seems like the principles and truths may, which they embody because they are timeless make this chapter vitally contemporary or useful and important for us today. Thus, we want to study the chapter with present day applications in mind. We're not just talking about something of yesterday. We're not talking about something that passed away with the apostles. We're talking about something in the book of Acts that continued to go on right up until 2021, and will continue to, to go until Jesus comes for us. Hallelujah. So it's supposed to be in the church. Come on, here's my button. Y'all are doing well. Hallelujah. So it's for our present today. Hallelujah. So I'm excited that we're in the right place in the right time talking about the right things. And so if you get a little nervous about things, that's okay too. Because there's two major points that I have I'm going to go into tonight. I'm glad I don't have 12. I got two major points to talk about. And I think they have a chart that they're going to put up for me, guys, is the one that, that breaks down the, these three-part messages. So here we go. In our part tonight, we're going to be talking about two things, edification and clarity. Edification is verses 1 through 5. Clarity is verses 6 through 12. Next Wednesday night in 1 Corinthians 14, I'm going to pick it up at verse 13. And I'm going to be talking about spirit and understanding, verses 13 through 19. And we're going to be talking about the hearers, verses 20 through 25. And then the last Wednesday night, the one after that, uh, it's an oldie but a goodie. I'm going to be talking about order and procedure in church, verses 26 through 40. And I said in staff huddle this morning, it makes me a little nervous if I'm honest, because there's a passage in there that says this, and I don't like necessarily going here, but hey, if I'm going to talk about preaching the entire chapter, 1 Corinthians 14, I don't think it's biblical to tear a part of the Bible out and just throw it over there and I don't talk about it, right? So it's, ladies, hang on. Hang on, it's going to be cool. But it's the verse and the passage, the little segment part. It's almost like it doesn't fit. What is there for? I even looked at it again. It's the one that says, let the women keep silence in the church. 
Now the ladies are laughing and the guys are looking at me like, what? (laughs) Joke. Did you hear me say I'm going to tell a joke? This is a joke, ladies. This is a joke. Years ago in Bible college, I heard one of the professors make the statement. He said, and we were studying the book of Revelation. I had a whole semester of it studying the book of Revelation. And he made this statement when we got, uh, he went back to this in that part in 1 Corinthians 14, we'll look at. And then he said, now I'm going to tell you something, show you something. And he took us to Revelation and we just opened up another chapter. And it says that there was silence in heaven about the space of 30 minutes. He said, do you know what that was? And I said, no. He said, that means that there will not be any women in heaven. (laughs) And I was married. I went home and told Carl Sue. She didn't think it's funny. (laughs) Honey, I'm just just telling you a joke. (laughs) And then she asked me, I'll never forget. She said, so do you think that there won't be any women in heaven? I said, of course not. (laughs) No, do you really believe there won't be any women in heaven? I said, of course not. There won't, there will be women in heaven. Come on, let, thank you, we need help. (laughs) I need to get back to my text and get on that. So there's a little segment of that part that I'm going to have to read and talk about in the Word. So will it be, wouldn't it be nice, everybody, to hear something not taken out of context since we're doing an entire chapter and let the Holy Spirit tell us and teach us what that actually even means. Won't that be good? All right, so that's not tonight. So we're moving on. Um, Verses 1 through 25 in your notes, uh, there's a, there should be a chart up there that talks about tongues and prophecy are being compared. And I gave you four points to help you a little bit more distinction about what the difference is between tongues, private tongues, our prayer language tongues, our, well, and, and prophecy, or message in tongues interpretation, equal. So here they are. Number one, tongues, private tongues, are directed to God whereas prophecy is directed from God to people. I said that. Number two, by content, tongues are, when we're speaking in tongues, we're speaking mysteries. And by the way, you are not thinking in tongues, you are speaking in tongues. It is not possible to have a silent prayer language where you're having it in your head, but it's not coming out your mouth. Right? I'm just saying. (laughs) So the content for prophecy Though, when, when there's a message in tongues and an interpretation or a word of prophecy that happens, that is for edification, exhortation, and comfort for the body. Oh. Amen. Number three. Tongues are for edification of yourself. When you pray in tongues or when you pray from your spirit to God who is spirit, you don't know what you're saying. You're bypassing your soul, your understanding, but your spirit is talking to God who is spirit. When you are doing that, third point, you're edifying yourself. Jude 20, reference, Jude 20 says that we are doing that. And Jude 20 says that we are building up ourselves on our most holy faith when we're praying in other tongues. Hallelujah. Well, I wish somebody told me that 30 years ago. So what am I saying? I don't know. (laughs) What are they saying when they're praying in in tongue? I don't know. When they're praying in their prayer language, I don't know. So who knows, God? Do you have an idea what you might be saying? 
We're talking about bypassing your soul. Remember that part? <laughs> Mind, will, and emotions. It's not about your understanding and reasoning and all those things. You're trying to get communication line open. So I want to say it this way. So when you do pray in your prayer language, listen, it is your breath coming out of your lungs that is passing by your vocal cords that is coming across your mouth. And when you open your mouth, it is your spirit that is praying to God who is spirit. So it's your lungs, your air, your vocal cords, your mouth that comes out, but you don't think in tongues. So when you do that, you're talking to God who is spirit. You see all that? So it does kind of involve you because watch, I did it. I did it when I was, when I was talking about trying to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was, I, I was so proud. And I, it's humble to admit, <laughs> embarrassing to admit, but I was so proud. And so I would seek and they would pray for me. And then they would say to me, well, just go ahead. Just, just go ahead and speak. And I would go, um, no. What? I'm afraid that might be me. If I'd have had what I just said to you, I would have said to me, <laughs> it is you. It's your lungs, your breath, your vocal cords, your mouth, but it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit that has given you an ability that flows through you that is, that is like a Batman hotline of the Spirit that directly communicates to God who is Spirit that the devil can't hijack and mess with. But he can mess with your head and he can mess with your emotions. I'm afraid. It's, God hadn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. So it's not me, but it's he that's in me and he that flows through me that talks to God the Father about what's... So I can actually see sometimes the Holy Spirit kind of inside going, you know, you got some things, you're just a mess. Uh, Father, you recognize, Terry, you need to open your mouth. Oh, I'm praying in the Spirit. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. All right, got it all said, yeah, okay. Now look, Terry, you don't know what you said. You don't know what you meant. You don't even know what the topic was. So when you start this thinking thing and trying to overthink this thing and overthink it some more thinking thing, all you're gonna do is just mess it up. Here's the thing you have to know, son. Whatever was said through your spirit, I did it with sounds, I did it with groanings, I did it with syllables, I did it with a foreign language. The only thing you've got to understand is you did not do it in English. Because you can't talk in English and in tongues at the same time. Okay. Thank you. The last one, um, number four, it's a private personal prayer language, number four, but the prophecy or message in tongues interpretation the gift of tongues plus that is equal to prophecy. Moving on. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks what? Mysteries. mysteries. Who's it a mystery to? Mystery to you. <laughs> mystery to people around you. People hear you. By the way, the sound in the church, the spirit-filled church should be a sound in the church that we hear, we hear people speaking in tongues around us. I didn't say shout it out necessarily, get a microphone, but there should be that, that it's your spirit language. And I'll, I'll show you that in the next time, in the next Wednesday night of when we need to do and all those kind of things. So my point is, is that there's more to it 
And so here we go. Verse number three. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Verse four. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Verse five. And this is a verse that needs to be processed. It says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. Did he discredit and say that he, that he don't want you talking in tongues? Did he say that? Look at it again. Make sure. He's not saying it needs to be less than or you don't need to do it. He says, I wish you all spoke with. Did I read that right in the Bible? So the Holy Spirit's actually saying to you, hey, listen, to have it that you're not supposed to speak in tongues in church is messed up. I wish you did. In the 14th chapter, not just in the 12th. I'm in 14 talking about the church gathering. I wish you all spoke in tongues. That's a little soft. I got to turn it up a little bit. Let's try that again. Thank you. But even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. Why? Because there needs to be understanding. Unless indeed he interprets, that's what he's talking about, that the church may receive edification. Verse uh, number six. So all of those things that I just read to you is point number one in your notes is, is the edification. All of those things I just said has one major point driving that you all need to be edified. You need to be edified. You need to be built up. And the way that happens is not just fellowship and not just loving each other. There needs to be edification and he's telling us how. Verse number six, point number two, is for clarity, which says, but now, did you hear it? But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, prophesying, or by teaching? He's talking about the message in tongues part. Verse seven, even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? And all that gets a little muddy for me. So I'll come back and read it a little bit different. But let me stop and slow down on the next part, verse 8. It says, For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? The way that it said it in the New Living Translation, and if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know they're being called to battle? Hallelujah. So there needs to be tuning. I remember in this building years and years ago, I remember that we would have uh, services. And in those services, we had partial symphony orchestras in the service, which is kind of cool. We had people playing trumpets and saxophones and all the stuff. And they would be like an Easter service kind of production thing that we would do. And I remember that I played the guitar. And so they asked me to play the guitar. And so I played the guitar, and they had other person that played a bass guitar, and, and I remember being in the middle of all these things, so we, we had to come to rehearsal. When we came to rehearsal, the orchestra leader had the little wand, stood on a little box, did all stuff. I mean, it was a big deal. And so we're, we are like the third part of a sheet of music, and I'm reading chords. I don't know all the little dots and lines and all that stuff. It's called You Play by Rote. And I didn't wrote it. <laughs> You're playing by ear, in other words. So I could hear people play things, and I, could, and I could hear that sound, and I could play that sound, and chords and all those things. So we're about three lines down in the music, 
And so, the, I mean, the, he's in the center, and he's doing the things, and we're going, and, and it's one of those kind of lively kind of things we were going. And he, and he went, stop! And I went, Aah! I mean, I did on the string. Aah! And he looked at me, and he said, young man, I do still like it when they call me young man. Um, did you tune your guitar? And I looked around. Nobody else playing guitar. Uh, yes. Did you have a tuner when you tuned your guitar? I said, a what? Uh, well, that means no. <laughs> Do you not have a tuner? I said, a what? He said, they have guitar tuners. And so it means that you tune everything. Everybody's tuned to the same thing. Right now, you are playing, supposed to be playing in a G chord, and every time you get to a G chord, you're playing in an F chord. And he said, and it's like grinding fingernails on a chalkboard. He said, I literally have to go my wand and go, I want to come over and go, stop that. <laughs> but I'm not going to do that, so I need you to tune. I said, I don't have a tuner. He said, please get one for next rehearsal night. It's important that you do that. Did you know that all of these instruments that's on this platform, and there are a lot of instruments that are here, they all are tuned to the same sound, to the one thing. Did you know what brings actually the best harmony, that brings harmony in symphonic orchestras? Do you know what the instrument is that brings harmony to the symphony? And I said, guitars that are tuned? <laughs> and he said, no. He said, actually, it's the second fiddle. If you don't have a second fiddle tuned properly, and he looked at the second fiddle, then you lose the harmony. He said, so I need both of y'all, please, to, to tune your instruments. <laughs> and I looked over at the, at the fiddle player, and I, and I knew the fiddle player. Maybe it's a violin in symphony. It's probably a better term, right? So I looked over at the violin player, and I went, huh. Well, I'm glad it wasn't just me. <laughs> and they looked back at me and said, ditto. <laughs> glad it wasn't just me either. So he said, so y'all are going to help me when we practice tomorrow night and get it all exactly right. And I said, yes. So my, my point in the, in the illustration is to help us with, we may be playing and other people playing things around us, other sounds going around us, but if we are not tuned we still won't make the sound. And if there's a, bu a bugler that's playing a stuff, and he's supposed to be doing a da-da-da-da, <laughs> then the soldiers, what I just read, you can't respond. Did, what was that thing that just played back over there? Is that Terry trying to play a saxophone? What? <laughs> and so it takes being tuned, listen, having a distinct sound a certain sound that when that happens, it rallies the troops. It causes forward movement. It causes for it to be a sound in the spirit when we're all tuned. Guess what the Lord's going to be doing working on us in the next few months of our church, working on the tuning of our sound to have a distinct sound, a one sound. So if you don't have a tuner, you need to get one. Hallelujah. All right, let's go Verse 7, even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played unless there's a distinction? 
Verse 8, for if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? Verse 9, so likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. I'll say what that means in a minute. Verse 10, there are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. That's an important word. Verse 11, therefore, or bottom line, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner even to me. In other words, it's talking about our language that we know, which is English, versus if we're speaking in tongues, that means you're speaking in a language that you do not know. That's why it's called an unknown tongue. You don't know the language. I'll say one more time. So if you're speaking in, in language of English, you're not speaking in tongues. Verse 12, even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, thank God that's Victory Life Sherman. Hallelujah. Let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. I want to read verse 8 through 12 in the New Living Translation. And then I'm going to pray and we're going to close for tonight and pick it up next Wednesday. Verse 8 through 12 in the New Living Translation says this. It says, and if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know they're being called to battle? Verse 9, it's the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you're saying? You might as well be talking into empty space. Verse 10, there are many different languages in the world, and every language has a meaning. Verse 11, but if I don't understand a language, I will be a foreigner to someone who speaks it, and the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. Verse 12, and the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. Amen. Amen. We'll pick it up next Wednesday night.